Good evening and welcome to the Get Football Mercato Show here every weekday to bring you the latest transfer news from across France, Germany and Italy. I'm your host Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Alessandro Puglesi from Get Italian Football News, Andrew Thompson from Get German Football News and Jeremy Smith from Get French Football News. We start tonight in France, where one of the more interesting moves of the day happened as we saw Jean Moutinho head to newly promoted Wolves in the Premier League. Jeremy, what can you tell us about that deal and what he may bring to the Premier League? Uh, this, this feels like the sort of the latest episode in the Jorge Mendes versus Mino Raiola fight to take over the whole world. <laughs> Um, and um, certainly, Mendes has you know been very linked with with Monaco, with Wolves more recently, and generally with a lot of Portuguese players. Moutinho is um, you know well known, very established um, Portuguese player, international, and has been a really good servant for Monaco the last few years. But um, and you know excellent. Um, midfielder, he can sit, he can attack. I wouldn't quite say he's box to box, all energy, but you know, an excellent passer of the ball, very good at set pieces, and you know, has been has been a sort of crucial part of of the Monaco team the last few years. But last year, I thought he was for the first time really looking a bit off the pace, and um, it's kind of weird. He's he's sort of had. A good and a bad influence in the in the changing room. Good in that because of his experience, he's been helping some of the young players along. But also bad in that I think at times this season there was a bit of tension with a few people wondering if he's only still getting in the team because of the Mendes connection. So I think it's probably good time for him to move on. Uh, to be honest, I'm a little bit surprised he's moving to the Premier League because um, you know you sort of think of it as higher paced than than um than Liga and so you wonder if, if he was already looking at just starting I mean he's not that old he's 31 but he was sort of starting to show his age last year I wonder if he'll be showing up a little bit more in the Premier League but at the same time you know really good experienced head clever footballer so again even if he's not playing week in week out he could be a good influence sort of helping some of some of Wolves' younger, less experienced players through. But, yeah, it was certainly a bit of a sort of eyebrow raiser. Yeah, and, and it, it's, it's good experience for Ruben Neves to have someone who he must have looked up to as well aside him now. But also, I, I just very quickly, Jeremy, wanted to talk about the, the fee involved, really. I know he's 31 and he's been a good servant for Monaco, but £5 million, regardless of if he is slowing down, does seem a little bit of a steal. I, I've given up with the market. I mean... A couple of years ago, I would say that's that's a lot of money for for a 31 year old who's not you know he's not Cristiano Ronaldo with all the with the best will in the world. But when you look at some of the prices banded around, you know, I'd quite happily have 10 Moutinho's for one Richarlison, for example. So um, yeah, I, th- I think in today's market it might seem still. It's, it feels ridiculous to even be saying that because five million still feels like a reasonably big fee, but who knows anymore? 
<laughs> the crazy world of the transfer window, especially with the, the numbers that keep being thrown at us. On to matters in Italy with you, Sandro. And it's been an interesting day between Milan and Juve, really, as they're all talking all sorts of deals with defenders and, and a certain Argentinian striker possibly going one way as well. Um, are we expecting another interesting twist to this Serie A transfer window with potentially a, a big move for a player going back to Turin? Well, uh, last night after we ended our show, uh, first reports came in of uh, Bonucci possibly rejoining Juventus this summer. Um, And so it's a bit of a complicated situation, but this is where we stand at the moment. Uh, Bonucci would like to leave Milan, uh, even though he was named captain last summer. Um, And he's definitely open to returning to the Bianconetti. while Juve would like to insert Higuain into the potential deal, um, again, as I've stated, uh, offloading Higuain is almost a priority for Juve at this point. Uh, and in which case, Milan then asked Juventus for Mattia Caldara, the young center back, um, because they want to have a replacement for Benucci, obviously, before letting their captain go. But Juve are quite hesitant to uh, let go of the young center back who joined from Atalanta this summer. Uh, so we're, at the moment, we're at a bit of a standstill uh, with the latest report saying that Milan and Juve are in no real rush and will continue to look to find agreements on the evaluation of Higuain and Caldara um, at their price ranges. But it's uh, all a pretty crazy situation to think that uh, Bonucci could end up back at Juve after his seven-year stint in the black and white um, with potentially Higuain uh, moving to Milan this summer. Um, Certainly did not expect this coming at all in any way. It's almost like Higuain's joining the the regular sort of Italian merry-go-round we sometimes see. But the the interesting one, I I do want to discuss the potential impact of Bonucci returning to Juventus. I mean, it was only this time last year, really, that the real surprise move of him going to AC Milan, sort of forcing his way out of Juve. It just feels a little bit strange that he's so eagerly crawling back to them. But will we be welcomed with open arms? <laughs> That's the big question. Um, I've definitely seen split opinions from Juventini at this point. Um, some do not want him back one bit, especially after uh, his words uh, when he joined Milan last summer saying he will change the equilibrium of the league. Um, and then also celebrating after scoring in Torino. Um, others, on the other hand, would be like... Uh, willing to forgive and forget, as they say. Um, It's interesting because perhaps Juve look at this as a push to win the Champions League in the next two years or so um, because maybe they see Benucci as a great fit in their lineup with uh, Ronaldo up top, you know, Benucci playing those fantastic long balls. Uh, But (laughs) to think that this was possible uh, at all would be uh, pretty incredible um but here we are and everything looks in play at the moment so we'll have to wait and see how uh reports progress you can never really doubt transfer windows can you they always try and spring an interesting surprise on you time to bring you in on this andrew and, and reports from germany that sort of came out just before we went on air from sky sports reporting that borussia dortmund winger andre schurler is on his way back to london this summer and is having a medical tomorrow but with who 
Well, I think the shock is that's going to be with Fulham. Uh, it might not surprise Premier League fans considering the business Fulham have done. Uh, no one expected uh, Jean-Michel Serri to end up there either, um, but he did. Um, I think it just shows the pull uh, of the league and even small clubs have the finances. But um, in regards to Shirley, he just wasn't going to get the chances this year um, at Dortmund, especially, you know, with the managerial change with uh, Lucien Favre coming in. Um, there's a lot of uh, younger wingers as well. Um that most likely are going to be giving a look in. You know, uh, Jacob Brun Larson's coming back from his loan from Stuttgart. Uh, you know, Marius Wolf came in from Eintracht Frankfurt. So, and there's still likes of Christian Pulisic is still there. Marco Oyce is fit. Um, so you have, you know, plenty of options in the squad. And to be honest, Sherlin never really took his chances while he was there, did he? You know, it's just, he's not. He just, I guess, you know, he just wasn't in the plans, and Dortmund aren't short of attacking options. You know, mm-hmm. Jaden Sancho is another player as well. Um, on the left, too, he's competing with an, uh, Maximilian Philip. We don't know if he's going to be used as a central forward or if he's going to be used on the left as well. So, you know, at current, technically, there's five left-sided attacking players in the Dortmund first-team squad, and um, two of them are younger players who deserve a chance. You know, now again, there's Royce and then there's Philip. So, uh, since Shirley didn't take a chance since he's been there, Someone had to go. Squad, you know, a retooling is needed at the club at the moment, so it makes sense for him to leave. But it is a little bit surprising that he ended up at Fulham. But with that said, you know, when you look at that Fulham side, they do need some reinforcement if they plan on staying up in the league. Um, so you would assume that if Slava Jokinovic keeps his four-three-three, that you could see um, Ryan Sessegnon on the left. Could see Shula on the right, and you know maybe Abubakar Kamara at central forward, depending. So he should get a fair bit of time. It's just a question of if he'll settle, how he'll adjust to the league again, considering his time at Chelsea wasn't fantastic. So we'll see what happens with that. It's an interesting move, really, because obviously English fans would have seen Andre Schürrle before, and he's obviously spent a few years back in Germany, both with Wolfsburg and Dortmund, to varying de- degrees of success with all three of them, really, since they he left Leverkusen originally, where. He, he really made his name other than obviously the spell at Mainz as well. Do you think going to a club with maybe slightly lesser expectations than have been placed on him previously may help him flourish a little bit more, especially as he is creeping up there in age as well? I think it's very possible. You know, you look at, you know, the way he came through, obviously Mainz isn't at the level at, you know, that Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund are at, um, even Leverkusen, uh, you know, by a certain extent. So less pressure can be good on players as well. You know, it's, people often forget the mental side of this game and how it does affect players who are human beings as well, despite being professional footballers. So it is very possible. Obviously the expectations on the club, Fulham as well, are going to be, you know, just survival um, rather than, you know, pushing for something like a championship place, even uh, winning the league like you would have gotten um, at Dortmund at Chelsea. So uh, I think that should be one of the main factors that people could look in, you know, if he, does break through into the first team and you assume he does get a regular place how he would respond to that but just you know the nature of the Premier League now as well it is a little bit different than uh the Bundesliga you know obviously defenders operate differently there's a more wide variety of um the way teams play as well so a lot of challenges but as you say with fewer expectations it could end up being a good move for him 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see how he does settle back in because it's not every day you can sign a big name player that's already experienced your league and, and you can speak the language that is foreign, at least anyway, um, so simply. Um, on to a bit of our focus then, and we'll start in Serie A as we do it. And there's plenty of interesting stories as always coming from the, the continent. And, and starting with Antonio Conte, and there's, there's still rumours with a board shift in Milan that they may be looking at him, Sandro, to come in as manager as well. Yes, so today we had Sport Italia and La Repubblica report that Milan have reached out to Antonio Conte regarding the head coach position. Uh, but the former coach, the former Chelsea boss, has asked for some time as he needs to sort out his contractual situation with the Blues. Um, I mean, this is no surprise. Conte has been linked with Milan for pretty sure two years now since he left the Italian national team. Um, uh, Gattuso had signed a contract extension just three or four months ago until 2021, I believe. But a lot of changes are happening at Milan now. Uh, the sporting director, Massimo Mirabelli, officially left the club today. Uh, so the new management is certainly putting their new uh, imprint on the club. And we will see if uh, there are the conditions for Conte to take over at some point. Uh, but just premature reports as of yet, nothing too serious. Yeah, I think you can never really trust contract extensions in Italian football just yet, at least for managers, at least. Um, on to some successful news for Rome, at least. We'll come on to the um, issues that really have occurred from earlier this evening, at, or well, earlier today as we spoke. But one move that they did get through the line, and again, with very creative uh, Twitter f announcement for it as well. And it's Robin Olsen says their replacement for Alison Becker obviously joined Liverpool this summer. Um, what do you think to the movie and what can you tell us about it, Sandra? So after selling Alison for a record fee to Liverpool, uh, Roma are obviously on the market for a starting goalkeeper. Uh, personally, maybe would have preferred to see a little more ambitious move, um, but Olsen is certainly capable of getting the job done. Uh, I just don't see him as a game changer in the way Allison was for them the past season. Um, but in the deal for 11.5 million for a very solid starting goalkeeper um, who played very well at the World Cup, uh, definitely pretty solid business uh, as is expected by Roma at this point under Monkey. Um, so they have their uh, starting goalkeeper all set and. Uh, they will be looking just for a winger to fill uh, after they lost out on Malcolm. Yeah, and we'll obviously come into him in a moment. But I just wanted to get your opinion on this, really, Sandra, that obviously the Allison saga sort of went on for, for considerable time. There was a lot of talks of clubs looking at him um, just before the World Cup, and obviously the deal didn't get signed until after the tournament was over. And a lot of other goalkeepers had sort of left their mitts. They were linked to a fair few. I remember Alban Lafont being a name that they've looked at that Fiorentina obviously ended up picking up. There's a few different Italian goalkeepers like Matteo Perani, uh, others that moved around very early on in the window will they be a little bit frustrated that they've almost had to, I don't I feel sorry for saying this to the Swedish international goalkeeper as well but for settling on Olsen uh, perhaps perhaps uh, I mean you see I'm pretty sure Perrine joined Juve for something like 12 or 13 million which is pretty much the same price um, also they were linked to Alphonse Areola of PSG um, so I think Roma had the opportunity um, of getting just a, a 
a caliber goalkeeper, just a little notch higher than Olsen. But all things considered, um, pretty solid business. Uh, and if you're a Jalo Rossi fan, can't complain too much with how the summer's going so far, despite you know, all the drama in the last 24 hours. So let's get to that drama as well, because we'll, we will bring Jez in on this one in a moment, because obviously Malcolm was a Bordeaux player. He's now a Barcelona player and how 24 hours in football can completely change your life. He was on a plane um, with his mother even already in Italy as well, waiting for him as he uh, ended up not getting that flight and, and ended up staying. Now he's headed to Barcelona and Monkey has discussed potentially legal action in this one. I don't know exactly what he's looking at, Sandro, but can you tell us a little bit more of how the sort of day has unfolded from a Roma perspective? Yeah, so earlier this morning, uh, it was still up in the air as to where Malcolm would end up. End up. Um, a couple hours ago, Barca officially announced the deal. Um, so at this point, uh, Roma is certainly not too happy. Um, what happened was after finding the agreement with Bordeaux, Malcolm, and his agent, uh the Bordeaux president insisted on tweeting out that an agreement had been reached between the parties. Um, while AS Roma was hesitant and did not want to do so because they're listed on the stock exchange in Italy and have to um, play by certain rules. Uh, Bordeaux's president insisted and that went, that happened. <laughs> and then we saw hours after that, those tweets went out that Barcelona were looking to hijack the deal and Bordeaux claimed that nothing was ever signed, nothing was in writing. Um, so, he, and now Monkey has said that they are considering legal action. I don't know exactly what form that would take yet, but um, definitely a hectic uh, last 24 hours uh, <laughs> for the Jalorosi. Yeah, I can't imagine what legal action you could take other than maybe it, if it being a little bit of a PR disaster, I suppose, with um, everyone mentioning a deal with Roma happening on, on different websites before obviously not actually going through. But I'll, I'll bring you in on this, Jez, because what this did spark was what hoped, more well, Bordeaux hoped to spark was maybe a little bit of a bidding war. It didn't end up like that. Barcelona got the man for looks like around about 41 million euros, which is plenty of dollar for Bordeaux, which they'll be pretty happy they've got over the line. But is Barcelona the right destination for Malcolm? Uh, I think it's the case of wait and see. Um, it, it depends which Malcolm they get. Um, you know, he, he started last last year, last season, first 10 games or so, he was unplayable. And then he pretty much, you know, he made it clear that he wanted to leave and he pretty much vanished for most of the rest of the season. And by an amazing coincidence, just the last three weeks of the season as the, as the transfer windows thinking of opening again suddenly he starts playing well again so you know there's no dispute that he's a huge talent and there's great potential there but he hasn't yet shown that he can sort of show it week in week out and there's also a little bit of potential for for maybe troublemaking there so you know maybe Barcelona is a good place for him because um you know they're, they're sort of past masters at, at getting the best out of out of young players but first of all i'm not sure that he entirely fits the the barca model um and also you know from from a french point of view he you know he very much although he's left-footed he very much plays on the right wing so it makes you wonder that there's not really going to be room for him and dembele in the team um uh, it's yeah it's it's a strange choice 
for me. I he's been linked with so many teams in Europe, but not the not any at the very very top. I would say not the but you know with all due respect to Arsenal and Spurs and Inter and teams like that. For me, Barca is sort of another level above, and I'm surprised that that they've gone in for him. Um, Bordeaux should be laughing. I think 40, 40 million is, is is a really good price, especially because they're they're sort of in a bit of money trouble and needed money quick. So I think it's a really good deal for them. Um, and but yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Barca are in for him, and and we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm not a hundred percent convinced about him yet. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? It seems like the bigger clubs are looking at bringing these young players in even before they make that mid-step that we sort of saw in the past with maybe teams like Dortmund and Atletico and Monaco. They're just going straight for them now to try and cut out the middleman, as they may say. Um, on to matters in Liga with you, Jess. And there's plenty of big news. There's a couple of deals that have gone through and, and obviously an interesting one involving an Italian, which you might bring Sandro in on as well. Um, and we start with Monaco, who obviously sold one player today, but also bought one in um, Strasbourg, player uh, Jean Udes Aluhu. Um, it's a decent signing for them. They're always great at picking up these little little gems that we've seen in French football before. Obviously, they brought Tom and Lamar for a relatively cheap fee from Colm when no one had really heard of him. They've done this several times before. Is this maybe another gem for them? It could be. I mean, they, they've been sort of stockpiling really young talent from all over Europe this summer, but they haven't. They don't seem to have brought in that many uh, players with... I was going to say top-level experience. I mean, you could even argue just sort of general professional experience. A lot of them are really, really young. So, Sahulu is, a, is a, it's an interesting signing because he's only he's only just completed his first season of Liga. He's kind of had quite a, a quick ascendancy from Nacional, which is the the third level in France, to Ligue 2 to Liga. But um, yeah, in Strasbourg's first season last year, he he was you know probably their player of the season. Um, really strong, good defensive midfielder. He's also popped up with uh, five goals, which isn't a bad return for for the position he plays in and for a team sort of um, struggling at the bottom half of the table. So, um, I mean, again, as I said, Moutinho is left now and really the most experienced players, arguably, in Monaco's midfield are um, Youssef Ait Ben Asser, who's, who's going to start the season injured and hasn't even played for Monaco yeah, he keeps going out on loan. And uh, Yuri Tillemans, who's, I think everyone agrees, is an excellent young prospect, but didn't have the best first season at Monaco last year. So um, it sounds strange to say of someone with only one year's top flight experience, but Ahulu actually is going to come in as one of, the, one of the more experienced players and um, possibly with his kind of, uh, not street cred, but... You know he's he's been around the block a little bit, if not in the top flight. So um, possibly he'll he'll be there to kind of teach the youngsters a thing or two, get them a bit battle hardened, and and yeah, we'll probably get a decent amount of playing time as well, particularly with obviously the um, European campaign as well as Liga. Very interesting move indeed, and one with another interesting move that's maybe seems to be on and off all summer really to be fair and that's involving the mercurial Mario Balotelli who had a, a great season really with Nice and it seemed like for the longest time before the World Cup started that it looked like all roads were leading to Marseille at the moment it now seems like that deal might be 
off. Uh, what do you think to that, Jez? Was was he maybe the piece that a Marseille side needed to bring? Because we've mentioned previously they need a striker, and, and it seemed like for the longest time that Balotelli might be the ideal option. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Balotelli to Marseille seems like a marriage made in. I don't know if it's heaven or hell, but um, that they kind of seem made for each other. You know, absolutely brilliant club, brilliant player, but also slightly unhinged club and player. So it could have been stunning or stunningly bad. So I think even as neutrals, it's, it's a pity if it doesn't happen. Um, you know, certainly the Marseille fans absolutely want him to come. And by all accounts, he wants to come. So I'm not sure what the holdup is. Um, I've been reading quite a few people suggesting just to, to mention him again, that it's possibly Raiola holding out for a bigger deal in Italian club. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the deal still happens, but they're running out of time. And you know, the, the longer it goes on, seeing as this was one that was, I mean, it was already being talked about before last season finished. So it's been going on so long, I suppose you have to start wondering, you know, if, if it hasn't happened already, it's not going to happen. But I do think they would work out well together. The one thing that Marseille really were missing last year was a, a reliable striker. So, um, you know, I, th I think they probably should be going all out to, to bring him in. Mm. And to get an Italian view, really, on this one, Sandro, because obviously he's also linked with a few Serie A clubs, including Palma being mentioned um, in recent reports, at least anyway. But there was also Napoli earlier in the summer before uh, Colin Ancelotti was uh, announced as well. Would he be, are they still Italianized looking at bringing Malet Mario Balotelli back home? Uh, I haven't seen too much as of recent. And quite honestly, I'm not exactly sure where he would fit in at the moment. Uh, Parma seems like a stretch uh, just due to his wages. Uh, I can't imagine they could afford his salary, uh, although it would be a nice fit for sentimental purposes, a team that has just won back-to-back -back promotions. Um, like at the big clubs at the... At, for the time being, uh, it's tough to really picture him anywhere. Um, I know Milan are looking for a striker, but a third time around uh, in, with the Rossoneri seems far-fetched at the time being. Uh, maybe perhaps Lazio if Immobile was to move. Um, just That's just me pondering. But uh, it seems that Balotelli has ruptured his relationship with Vieira and Nice, so I'm not sure if he's going to be staying there. Uh, it seems likely he'll be on the move, but the question is where will he be headed? Yeah, I still feel that the Velodrome was possibly clawing him by the end of the transfer window, but we shall see. Um, on to some, a few more completed moves in Liga, so just some little small ones to end with. And we'll start with uh, Yassin Bamu, who has joined Colm, um, Jez, that's the former PSG um, shop worker, essentially, going uh, on the move for about €2 million. Euros. Kind of been looking for a striker, especially with Santini going as well. Uh, they have brought in Enzo Crivelli as well. Uh, does he add to the... He's, he's, I always don't want to say it horribly, but it's almost like a stereotypical con striker, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I mean, sort of, you know, not not anything special but not too bad relatively reliable but he's not you know he's not gonna win you places in europe with his goal scoring feats or anything like that um yeah exactly as he said he sort of just 
follows in the tradition of you know Delors a little bit better than that probably, but certainly Crivelli, Santini. Um, yeah, I mean it's it will be an interesting season for Caen because um, Garand, Patrice Garand, quit at the end of the season, so it's a new coach, first time in a while. Um, no one really knows what to expect there, so you know it's it's a brave move on his part. Not seen as a bigger club, so. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that he's chosen to to leave there for what on paper looks a, a slightly riskier riskier move. But um, he's as you said, you know, it would be nice for him if people didn't immediately associate him just with the fact that he used to sell PSG shirts in the club shop. Um, so you know, this is a good opportunity for him to 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 make a mark somewhere else and give give us some something else to talk about. Yeah, let's hope so, because it seems like Khan is still playing the game of uh, searching tall, big striker and then putting it into the engine to see what uh, what seems to pop out, at least. Anyway, uh, on to another final move, at least. it was a, It's a loan deal, really, initially, at least, but it will has got an obligation to buy for €10 million, Euros, and that's uh, Gregor Kokoviak heading to um, Russian champions, Lokomotiv Moscow. It gets another player off the books for the time being, at least, Jezen, and if it's with the Mbappe stuff, the loan permanent deal should count towards this season's um, financial fair play as well. So that's the important thing in this deal for PSG, really, rather than the Polish man moving on. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's you know, he's he's never really going to get back in the PSG team. Um, the last two, three years have been a little bit injury hit, but he hasn't really hit the heights. Um, you know, West Brom fans, I think, were extremely excited when, when they brought him in at the start of last season and it never really came to anything. So, um yeah it's just a case of you know any any money any more money that they can bring in to to try to keep the ffp walls away from the door is going to help um you know i wish him well because he was brilliant for us he was good for Sevilla. he was you know on his day really really classy midfielder and i'm not really sure what's gone wrong the last couple of years but it would be nice to him to sort of uh kind of see out the rest of his career play getting back to his best mm. Uh, let's move on to German shores as we finish tonight and, and bring you back in with this, Andrew, because we, we discussed um, with uh, Axel last night about Boateng possibly joining Manchester United. The, the barometers have changed slightly this evening and as they always seem to do in the transfer window and it looks like Paris Saint-Germain might be the front runners. Um, now, what can you tell us about it? Well, I mean, the reports come from Sky Germany uh, and also apparently um, Thomas Tuchel met Boateng about a month ago uh, to discuss the possibility of a transfer. Um, I mean, for me, I think it's a questionable on both ends, honestly. Um, I think if you watched any of the World Cup or, you know, Bayern last season, it's clear that Boateng has regressed uh, quite a bit. Um, it's also indicative of the fact that uh, Dekla Sula made the most appearances for a centre-back at Bayern last season in all competitions. So, it just appears that at least club level, he wasn't relied on the most as you would expect considering um, a player of his ability and experience. And, uh, and to be fair, he wasn't very good in the World Cup, was he? But no German player was. Um, but I think the question on the Bayern end is how they're going to handle that moving forward. You know, if Boateng does leave, that leaves just Sula, Hummels, and uh, Mario Götze's younger brother, Felix, as the only center backs to club in the first team uh, with just three. Um, and considering um, Niko Kovac is a new manager and he has an established history of using three at the back, whether he will, Bayern is another question or not. But you know, even if he doesn't, three centre-backs in your first team, 
for a side who's expected to challenge for Champions League is questionable at best, and you wonder how Bayern's going to handle that moving forward, or where they're going to look to in the market. Um, in regards to PSG, you know, it's, I think it's also questionable personally. You know, again, I think he. <clears throat> I think he is regressing and he has regressed in terms of his playing ability. And um, obviously I don't watch, uh, you know, Liga Un as much as other leagues, but, you know, for me, I feel that PSG is almost set in that area of the park. You know, someone else can um, maybe elaborate that a little more, Um, I guess, maybe, maybe. So, Mm. I mean, but again, for me, I just, it's questionable, but, you know, we'll have to see how it goes from that. Yeah, very quickly on this one, Jez. It, it, uh, Botoy to, to G- PSG, it seems like they might have maybe a little bit more priorities, especially if they're penny-pinching as they might be. Um, spending 50, 60 million euros on Boateng seems a little bit like um, it might be a bridge too far for the, for the uh, French champions. I mean, to be fair, it's, it's the kind of move that PSG have been making recently. And I don't think it's necessarily a good thing, but, you know, Danny Alves, Buffon this year, um, Boateng, I think, you know, if they want to be one of the really big clubs in Europe, they should be bringing in the more of the top young talent rather than um, formerly top players who are on the way down. Um, so I don't think they should be looking at Boateng, but um, it wouldn't be surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if it turns out that they are based on their their recent form in the transfer market. Hmm. Uh, on to more news in the Bundesliga and um, an interesting move for buying themselves to purchase at least it's not been fully confirmed it might be confirmed sort of tomorrow is uh, that Alfonso Davis the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps youngster the 17 year old looks to be heading to Germany what do you think to the move Andrew they have mentioned previously Munich that they're looking to buy younger um, as it were and, and this is certainly a move in that direction it is certainly moving that direction, but I mean, maybe I'm just in a critical mood. That's very possible. But again, I don't. I mean, if it's if it's strictly for the long term, then I think the move makes complete sense. You know, he is only 17, and while he's come through an MLS and done quite well for his age, again, you have to think that he'd have to understand that he's not going to walk into the Bayern team. You know, Aryan Robin is still there. Thomas Muller still there, Frank Ribery still there, Serge Nabi comes back from his loan at Hoffenheim despite being played as a center forward. Much of his time was played as a left winger. Uh, Kingsley Coleman is still at the club. Um, Hamas Rodriguez is still there, and he's been known to be versatile and play on the left as well. So, again, with a team who is blessed with attacking options, and, and given Davis's young age, you have to think um, that is for the long term. And let's not forget that, you know, Byron still have Timothy Tillman in the system as well, and he's an excellent up-and-coming young uh, attacking player as well. So um, in terms of his development, however, it's tough to get, you know, a better place than being in Germany right now for younger players. You know, they have a habit of bringing him through correctly. If he's not going to break into the first team this year, he'll be on loan for a year or two, and he will get time. So I don't think his career will necessarily stagnate. But um, if I was him from a personal standpoint, I would have maybe made a bigger move than Vancouver, obviously, but maybe not one as so huge as Bayern because sometimes it just does not work out for young players there. But, um, I mean, it certainly won't hurt for him to at least get the experience of being at a major club and seeing if he can take the chance or, or if not. So, 
It's going to be very interesting for the youngster, and we'll keep an eye on him, certainly. Um, on to the final bit of news we have for the Bundesliga, and that is um, Mattia Caldara, obviously taking headlines as well. He has been linked to Dortmund as well. Um, obviously, was bought by Juventus back in 2017 and on loan at Atlanta for the of last season. Dortmund, obviously, looking to replace... Um, uh, the Socrates leaving and, and obviously Mark Bartra but the, the year before as well. Um, what do you think to a possible move for that then, Andrew? I think they should just save the money for maybe retooling another position. Uh, at the moment, you know, Manuel Kanji came in uh, in January last year, settled well. Um, for me, he was one of the best center backs at the World Cup. Uh, so you see what Dortmund have in him. Um, they also purchased Abdoubiala from, from Mainz uh, for 28 million euro this summer. Um, Uber Toprak is still at the club. Uh, then Axel Zagadu is still there. So right now they do have four center backs who, at minimum, three of them are ready for the first team. And arguably Zagadu, who did get quite a few minutes last season, um, both as a left back and as a center back. So I personally wouldn't put too much into it. Maybe Alessandro can elaborate a little bit further. But, you know, for me, I just don't see the point in it. You know, with Zocrates going to Arsenal, they've already replaced him in Diallo. So, you know, there wouldn't be any point in, in spending additional money there. Um, or they can obviously look elsewhere and maybe another position, maybe looking at bringing the proper center forward, considering um, obviously Aubameyang left in January. Uh, Michi Bechwai has gone back to Chelsea as long as it's ended, and they only have Alexander Isak as their only true center forward right now. Um, and I don't think they should be looking at using Michael Royce in that position. So I think. For me, I just don't see why it would make any sense personally. And bringing you in, Sandra, for, to, to finish off, um, it, Caldara himself obviously was linked with that Milan potential deal as well. Looking at it, surely the Juve want to keep him should they obviously not get Benucci. And if, even if he does come in, he's talented, experienced, cover with Serie A, quality experience. Certainly. I mean, between the two centre-back pairings, between Caldara and Rugani, uh, myself and as many Juventini see it, um, Caldara is at the moment the more uh, the more experienced center back that has got more playing time with his loan at Atalanta. Um, so it would surprise me if Caldara were to leave this summer, especially before even playing an official game for Juve um, on the Dortmund front. Uh, five days ago, Gianluca Di Marzio did report that Juve rejected uh, the German club's offer of 35 million plus 5 million in bonuses. Um, so, uh, personally, I do think Caldara looks set to stay, um, and he should be given at least one season in uh, black and white to see what he's made of. And let's see what happens there. That's it for this evening. My thanks to Alessandro, uh, Andrew and Jez for their company this evening. And same to you all at home, of course. Uh, please join us again tomorrow for more from the crazy world of the transfer window.